The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer, and we are pleased to have you join us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, talking about the Sport of Kings. Thanks so much for being with us. Over $10 million. That's $10 million for Winning Ponies, and those are exotic payouts. Exacta, Trifecta, Superfecta, Pick 3, Pick 4, all the good stuff. Just what the whipped cream is made for. I'm telling you what, $10 million in growing exotic paths of winning ponies. Hope you were on board for each and every one, if possible. Easy to use, color-coded tiers. And when I say this, it sounds like, oh, yeah, you know, what is it, blue, one, green. You have to take a look at it. It makes it so much easier. When I'm threading down, okay, this top tier, and trust me, they're all not two to five. I love that. There's some 15, 20 to ones, especially when you're going to play contests. It's very helpful. Color-coded tiers. Brand new novice. First day on the first day on the uh, the punters route. Our hardcore handicapper going to like that, and they've been doing very well. Economical, prorated. Say you pick it up on race number seven. Boss wouldn't let you out of work. Okay, boss wouldn't let you out of work. Now you're going to get seven, eight, nine, and ten, but you're only going to pay for the races that you use. So it is economical. Where most sheets would actually charge you for the full money. Not cool and not economical. Tiered speed ratings for the race. I like this. For the race, one for the last three, and then there's turf ratings. And then there's a little something I like to keep in my top pocket, which you see and everyone knows when you see the little addition, the plus symbols. I have never lost on a runner that has a double plus symbol. You see them, not all the time. You see a plus symbol, a horse on the uprise. Good things are coming their way with some wonderful little handy-dandy, you know, moving up in class, dropping down in class, three-year-old gets older, little notations right off to the side, first-time Lasix, bread for the grass, you name it, they're out there. But I love taking a look at these little plus symbols. I know, it sounds kind of silly. I've never lost on a double-plus symbol. Take my word for it. You need to take a look at it yourself. It will it will change your handicapping. It changed mine. I've been doing it since 2008 and enjoyed every second of it. Even got the change weather tab. As I always say, if Mother Nature gets ugly, check it out. www.winningponies.com. On deck this evening, we're going to recap last week's big races. Biggins. Biggins are the... Uh, Biggins are, 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 the, are the big scores that we, we actually took down. And we hope that you took them down as well. So on deck, we got big races, biggins, and then we do a story for the week. We've got ourselves two special guests. Not just one, but two special guests. Joining us this evening, the first guest will be Turfway Park President, Executive Chair of the NTRA, Treasurer of Keep, which is Kentucky Eagle Education Project, handicapper and a good man for racing, Mr. Bob Ellison of Turfway Park. Going to join us here right about 10 after he should be calling in, be looking for his call. Second on deck, Louisiana trainer, base trainer that is, and the conditioner for the Claiborne Farms 
big-time runner you may have seen on November 6th, Blame, winner of the $5 million Breeders' Cup Classic. Joining us will be Mr. Al Stahl. So, in fact, we've got the, the double-sided coin here. We've got two guests right back-to-back. Do a little news and racing and some final frontal handicapping. Plenty to do. It's kind of like uh, Thanksgiving here. It's kind of like a little buffet. We've got, got a lot of action, and we've got a lot coming at you, and it all starts right now real quick with a recap. Last week, if you took a look at the Hollywood Turf, uh, Turf Cup, not Turf Club, the Hollywood Turf Cup, it was a grade one event, 250,000, mile and a half on the Wii's. Winners, the one unusual suspect, Corey Nakatani, between the ears, gets up by a head after being three wide from the three-eighths pole to the wire, paying 2240. Pretty sweet action there for unusual suspect in the Turf Cup. In only making note of all the big stakes races in the United States, just not the uh, just not the black type listed, but but uh, the, you know the graded stakes I usually stick to. Then we go to Woodbine. It's a Grade Two event. The Autumn Stakes, hundred seventy one thousand dollars up for grass. A mile and the sixteenth. Winner, Stunning Stag, Jerry Algonquin wins by three and three parts, sweeping past the leader in the final sixteenth to pay ten thirty to win. Thank God for the nickel breakage. Ten thirty to win. Solid action. Trust me, it'll start make, start adding up. Uh, not going to make a car payment on it, but it uh, makes things a bit sweeter. Aqueduct, the Long Island Handicap, a grade three event, a mile and a half on the weeds. Winner, Me Kong Melody. Alex Solis aboard by three and three parts. Boy, that sounds like the, uh, the soup du jour there. Everybody winning by three and three quarters, making a stretch, winning rally. Bridge jumper alert in there was changing skies. There was 180,000 to show in the pool. 170,000 was bet on changing skies, who ran fourth. Oh, fourth in a compact field. Changing skies hanging on. But Mekong Melody pays 940 to win, 1780 to show. That's what happens when bridge jumpers line up aboard the Golden Gate. And then we go to Churchill Downs. And it was uh, Yankee Fortune just doing everything that uh, he wanted to with Victor Santiago in the saddle. $121,000 a mile and 16th on the turf. You better enjoy turf racing, especially in the, uh, up in the East Coast and uh, in Kentucky while you can, because that's about ready to be put up for the season. We'll see it at the fairgrounds. We'll see it in California. We'll see it in Florida. It's not going to go away altogether, but it's not going to be as prevalent as it once was. But Yankee Fortune doing his bidding at Churchill Downs, paying 760 to win four wide at the quarter pole, and uh, three wide be- before that. And then Angles Out even goes a little bit wider, paying 760 to win Yankee Fortune. Victor Santiago, not a bad rider. Indeed, I'm going to jump out and I'm going to talk a little bit of biggins. Hopefully, you are aboard. Friday, November 12th, there were 103 total biggins. Aqueduct led the pack race nine, a Superfecta, 4,597 even. Saturday, November 13th, 117 total biggins. These are big, big, exotic payoffs. Churchill Downs Race 10, a super high five key, 4,826.20. Sunday, November 14th, 95 total biggins. Calder Race 8, a super high key, hang on tight, $22,349.40. Monday, November 15th, 36 total biggins. Finger Lakes Race number 5, a super high five, 3,627 even. 
Tuesday, November 16th, 29 total biggins, the Mountain Mountaineer, race number eight, Superfecta. Whoo, I like this. 8,423 even at the Mountain. Wednesday, November 17th, 67 total biggins, Churchill Downs, races one through four. Yep, that's a pick four. 3,341.80. And then Thursday, November 18th, 35 total biggins, and the racing has yet to cease. Calder leads the pack. Race one, Superfecta, $3,120 and 60 cents. Not bad shooting, if I say so myself. Hope you were aboard. If not, check it out. And uh, I think you're going to be very, very pleased on what you're actually seeing. That, I promise you. Testimonials here as of late. Uh, Monica P. from Houston, Texas on Saturday, November November 6th, cashes in on a $980 Super Pecta in a Breeders' Cup Classic. Says, thanks so much for the accurate picks on this year's Breeders' Cup. Without your help, I wouldn't have been able to pick successfully the Super Pecta for race 11. Way to go, guys. Way to go, Monica. Nice shooting there, gal. Brandon B., Mount Angel, Oregon, Saturday, November 6th, hits it. $980.40. How sweet it was. Didn't have the credits to purchase full card. Had to leave a 90th birthday party. So he raided the horses himself. Blame Zen. Hainsfield, Quality Road. Fly down looking at Lucky. Sounds like quite a handicapper to me. And I'm telling you what, $980.40 to Brandon B. Congratulations. Inez H. from Pepper Pike, Ohio, has great things to say about winning ponies. Got to love that. Really appreciate your support and great turnaround time for the response. Thanks again. You guys have been on top and affirms your top class. No, Binance, you're top class because without you, there'd be no us. And thank you for checking us out. And, you know, thank you for uh, cashing in big. Love to hear from that. Talking about a good guy in racing. He's on hold right now. Mr. Bob Elliston will be jumping out to him. Give you a little story, quick week story. I like to kick everything off of a little tail. Just like kindergarten again, this week's story, it's about a lifelong fan who, who gets goose flesh, he told me. He still, still gets the bumps up and down his arms when he hears the announcers calling them home or gets a tear in his eyes when he hears my old Kentucky home. Many, many derbies this gentleman has and many, many years as well. Big races and special events in racing, but this year's Breeders' Cup was an extra special day. He's 82 years young and has a couple of notes. This is what he wanted to tell me of why he liked it so much. He said Goldacova, the French based miler from Ireland, beat the boys in explosive fashion. To watch her pick up the bit and find her stride was incredible to say the least. Her third straight victory in the mile, making her the first to win three Breeders' Cup races. Trainer Freddie Head won aboard the magnificent Miesque in eighty seven and eighty eight. The feat is extra special. He loved it. He said the great Zenyatta running for history is rare and he said he'll never see it in his lifetime again, much less any of the rest of us. 20 in a row in such fine fashion. He felt the six-year-old male would be larger and as a legend as time goes on. The great Zenyatta, he had tears in his eyes when he talked about her. He said, uh, I was really rooting for the girl. The old handicapper's maxim is you don't play the gals against the boys, but in this case he did. He said it was perfect weather and a typical fall weekend in Louisville. For visitors, you get a sample for Kentucky Fried Hospitality. Well, it is time to head out to our first break, and when we return, we'll be chatting with our special guest this week, Turfway Park President, Mr. Bob Elliston. But you're only going to hear it. You stay with us here on Winning Ponies. <laughs> 
Flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back. And thank you for taking time to tune in because without you, there would be no us. And we appreciate your business. And we appreciate you taking time to be with us. Join in. Listen up. It's always a lot of fun. So make sure you join us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, depending on which side of the coast. It's either left or right. So, I mean, that's the way I found it out. But anyway, stop calling, stop gambling, and start winning. Because here at Winning Ponies, it's all about making your day a more profitable one. And starting on that note right there, we have a guest here. Mr. Bob Ellison is joining us. Bob, are you there? Hey, Eddie, how are you? I'm doing very well, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, sir. Always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. Always enjoy uh, visiting with a fellow horse horse racing fan. I I am that, and uh, I think I always will be uh, in that that brotherhood and ancestorhood. You know what I mean. Hey, boys and girls, we can we can all pack into the uh, into the hall and have a good time. Speaking about packing into the hall and having a good time, December second, five thirty post Turfway Park turns on the lights and racing is back in swing. 
Yep, the Christmas tree is up, going up in the paddock. It's the holiday meet, and uh, it's actually one of the funner times around the whole the whole the the entire season around the plant. Um, you know, we have a lot of holiday groups come out. It just seems like folks are are itching to uh, to get out and enjoy the races and uh, a couple of diet cokes and uh, have a big time. So uh, we're excited about it, and uh, there's going to be some great racing on on, on that the poly track. Well, I only have two problems. One, there's no such thing as a Diet Coke, and two, there's no such thing as a Diet Coke. But uh, there, there is plenty of action up there on Friday uh, evenings. You have dollar beers. You have dollar dogs, I believe. I hope there's dollar dogs. If not, then you know, maybe you can lend me the 50 cents. But uh, you have a really festive atmosphere for locals that actually could come. I would say make it a part of your of your week because night racing is unique unto itself. And how dare Churchill Downs put up two million dollars in lights? You know, <laughs> Turfway Park had the market cornered in Kentucky, but it's always a festive atmosphere to kick off the weekend out of Turfway on Fridays. It, it really is. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of listeners enjoy uh, the you know they enjoy the simulcast time. They enjoy uh, uh, utilizing those uh, those good accounts at the ADWs to to play the races, and we're fortunate that. That convenience is out there, but but for my buck, Eddie, the, the on-track experience is still where it's at. To come out and watch the horses in person and and mingle with your buddies and uh, have a lot of fun at the track, uh, that that to me is still where it's at, and that's how we're going to keep drawing new fans to this great sport. Turfway, another track that you're going to want to keep on your bucket list of tracks to visit. It's one there's nighttime racing, twilight nighttime racing. It's beautiful on weekends. It's a beautiful oval. It's poly track. It's safe. There's different variations of the synthetic revolution. Bob, and Polytrack being one of the, if not, excuse me, the first one, you were the innovator of uh, actually wheeling this out there, uh, Keeneland first and, and Turfway Park as far as leading out with a safe surface. Yeah, and that, and that was September 2005, Ed, and, and honestly, it was the best decision we made at Turfway. If, if uh, your, your fans remember, uh, it got a little, little dicey in the wintertime at Turfway when particularly it was the freeze-thaw situation on the conventional surface. We would lose a lot of racing. We might go two whole weeks without racing. Uh, when the sun was shining, it was 50 degrees, and folks never understood that, but that usually followed two weeks of zero temperatures, and you just had that very uneven surface. Well, we don't have that anymore. We have very consistent racing all year round, uh, and it's a fair racing surface, and uh, it, was, it was a great experience for us to do that. I recognize that some folks have differences of opinions about that, and I know the the, the situation in Santa Anita wasn't the best, but, but at Turfway, it was a great decision, and, and it gives us the best shot we can have to, to race in inclement weather. As you alluded uh, to about the freeze-thaw situation, there is no deal with the devil in northern Kentucky because in the day, hey, it's uh, 48 degrees, and at night, you know, hey, it's 10. Yeah. And it really makes it tough. You know, it, it's, it's kind of a – but with the, with the Polytrek, all that's gone. It, it's safe. I, I hear so many trainers talking about they, they stable there year-round, and they, their horses are tight, they're fit. And speaking about keeping them fit and ready, now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you will immediately, this past Breeders' Cup had some very special feelings for Turfway Park, I believe. Eldifer? Yeah, that's two in a row. Remember last year with the yeah. furthest land, who won the Kentucky Cup last year, went out and won the Dirt Mile uh, at Santa Anita, and now Eldifer uh, that won the marathon, kicked off all the Breeders' Cup weekend after winning uh, our winning your end race in the marathon. So you know that's just two of about, uh, as I told one, one writer, when I start thinking about the horses that have had a major impact on the Breeders' Cup that prepped last at Turfway. 
I run through my hands and start kicking shoes off before I can count to them. So uh, uh, it's been it's been a neat experience. And it was actually a bittersweet experience this year because that was the only stake we had during the fall meet. Uh, we would have liked to have had the full Kentucky Cup card. Hopefully, we can restore that in 2011 because it has had such a meaningful impact on on the World Championships. I have full confidence uh, that that it will come back. I try to lead as optimistically as I can, and I know that you're you're pulling every switch and lever to make everything happen in racing uh, the racing world in Kentucky, and especially Northern Kentucky, Bob. Uh, the, the Turfway Park Fall Championship Grade Three event, very nice indeed. Win and you're in, and this son of AP Indy prepped very very nicely on the poly track and went down there on the uh, on the dirt of Churchill Downs and just scored big time. I, I wasn't uh, was not aboard. Uh, I have to say it eluded me, but uh, as soon as it happens, it was one of those uh, aha moments. I know it was part of, uh, you were probably betting matchsticks with another gentleman upstairs, but uh, I, I know that you had a couple of matchsticks on this one. I did. Unfortunately, I didn't catch what I was looking for because uh, instead of just, just playing that, that horse and getting a big fat uh, win, win uh, wager back, I tried to, to go for the throat and miss the back end of the exacta and, uh, and the try. And so here I stand, just t- telling a great story like the fish that got away. <laughs> <laughs> the fish that got away. But what a weekend, Eddie. I mean, that. I mean, I heard you talking earlier about the the 82 year old gentleman that rode in. Uh, you know, I'm, I haven't seen that many races. I've been a fan since I was a kid, but it was one of the most special weekends I recall in racing. And that day, when you saw the performances of Uncle Mo and uh, you know Goldacaba, and then that huge, huge race in the Classic, uh, I, I really got goosebumps myself. It was incredible, Bob, and uh, sat next to some gentleman from Ireland, the the older gentleman on my my right, and he he didn't talk too much. He was interesting, and uh, everything that he brought, and he painted pictures from back in the the 40s and 50s when racing was king and was the only game on the street. It was a really neat group that was around us in our boxes. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, and I concur. It, it couldn't have been better better all around. Bob, Kentucky's facing some dire straits and doing everything in his power. They're not sitting on their hands whatsoever, and I definitely know that you're not, and uh, to keep racing alive and well. Is there any legislation or discussion in the future or coming up in the future for any alternative gaming? Well, the, the, the first order of business is um, getting the courts to make a determination on the instant racing product. Uh, the Racing Commission in Kentucky has passed regulations to enable us to use that tool like they've used at Oaklawn successfully uh, to put those at the tracks. Uh, we immediately went to the courts and said, make sure and tell us this is a legal transaction, make sure what the Racing Commission uh, has done uh, is is appropriate under Kentucky's laws. We believe it is, but we wanted that affirmation before we started spending money uh, on the fiscal plant. But but we're expecting a decision from the Franklin Circuit Court by the year's end, hopefully. So if if, if that comes out positive, like we we think it will, uh, we could we could get moving pretty quickly on instant racing, and uh, you know that's adding three four million dollars a year in purses to the Oaklawn. Uh, pots and so that would help in the interim. It's not the solution. Uh, it's effectively kind of going to a gunfight with a knife up against the casinos in our marketplace. But it's a start, and we can continue to pursue uh, the kinds of things that Indiana has done for its racing product, as has Pennsylvania and West Virginia, uh, New York, and and on and on. Uh, those those states have have clearly invested in their racing product by supplementing their that racing product with the gaming, and it's worked great. And we continue to pursue it. I think that it's a wonderful starting point, and I emphasize. 
starting point. It will just get uh, fans, the legislative body, uh, just a little information, see what we can do, see what we will do, and see how the landscape will actually change. And, and everyone is a winner on this. Instant racing for Oaklawn Park has been amazing. On their big day, there's, it's called the Instant Racing Stakes. It's $75,000. Yeah, they're, I mean, they've, they're adding, like I said, almost $3, 4000000 million a year to their purse program. Now, if we did that at Turfway, uh, you know, we could see 25 30% increases in our, in our overnight purses. So it would have a material effect on, on the fine horsemen and women that are running at our place. So uh, um, it's not that far out of reach. It's right around the corner if the courts uh, uh, see the law like our attorneys see the law, and uh, we can get in business. Uh, hopefully they, they see this uh, sooner rather than later because uh, racing right now needs all the help they can get, and I know we'll make hay while the sun shines. Bobby and I was reading something about iPhone apps, iPads. They were the fourth biggest sports application on Breeders' Cup weekend. They were free. Do we need to be more tech-savvy as far as uh, marketing out to, uh, to the right demographic for the future? Well, you've got to exploit your advantage. There's no question about that. And right now, the only legal form of wagering via the Internet is horse racing. And, and the more we can get that technology and that utility in the hands of, of folks who possess an iPhone or an iPad, uh, and, and again, more of these folks uh, are younger folks who we want to attract to our business to be uh, punters, to be owners and trainers and, and, and working at the tracks. Um, we've got to use those portals. So I am a complete believer uh, in, in developing those kinds of technologies. I own an iPad. It is the coolest thing I've ever had in terms of technology. And to, to show the beauty of racing on that platform, to connect that beauty of racing with an actual interest in the race through a wager, through an ADW, that's legal and the only kind of gaming that's legal in the state via the Internet we got to take advantage of that. I can't agree more because I'm I'm a big believer in let's stick with the positive. Let's any any fool out there can throw mud. You know this isn't going to work. No, I don't think we can try. No. I want to try things. I want things to work. I, I, when we go to the track, I want Wi-Fi there. I want to be able to take your, your iPad app. I, I, want to be able to, I want to be able to pull it out and, and work to whatever level that, that I wish. Or if I just want the racing form in my hand, in my carol seat, to each his own. But, but I think that we need to, to move into that, that, that savvy, savvy is better mentality where the younger demo, they want something quicker, more, right in their face. They want access. They want to be able to look on their phone. What's happening to her? Way part, bam! It's right there. I, I love the concept what Breeders Cup actually came out with, and I think that it was is terrific. Bob, uh, to the NTRA for a moment. Uh, starting with the NTRA years and years ago, has it changed or has it evolved or has the focus of the NTRA uh, changed its winds and direction? Yeah, I, th I think it has. Uh, just like any association or just any organization has to adapt to the circumstances. Um, there's a lot of different organizations in our industry that serve their individual constituencies, but but a couple of the things that only happen at the NTRA and has become more a focal point of what we do is one, a convening authority. There is no table 
that every single major constituency in our industry sits at. We have breeders, we have owners, we have horsemen, we have tracks, uh, and, and all of them sitting uh, together talking about the issues facing the entirety of the, the industry, not just one of those segments. That doesn't happen anywhere else. Uh, and the second thing is, so much of what, uh, what affects our marketplace or affects how we do business happens in Washington, D.C., with federal legislation. And, and we are the voice for the entire industry in D.C. Uh, we provi- we've been providing that service from the very beginning. We've passed significant legislation that do things like we were just talking about, and that is preserve our right to do legal wagering through the Internet, and, and only us that are permitted to do that. These are the focal points of the NTRA today uh, because they are that, that's our core competency. That is not redundant to other organizations. That's what the industry expects us to do, and we do best. So, yeah, we always look for those things to, to reshape our organization in, in, in response to uh, the folks that, uh, that we're representing. Thank you for, for clearing that up because there's a gentleman out there that owes me a Coke. I was at Breeders' Cup. He recognized me from two tracks. Nice gentleman. He, it was a long two days, and he immediately came up with the NTRA. He said, what a waste of time, what a waste of money. They're worthless, they're doing nothing. I said, would do you enjoy having a voice, sir? He said, yes. I said, they are your voice in racing. They are voicing racing's concerns. They are bringing to the bigger table what the needs and, and how it will affect the game and sport overall for the future. I said, the NTRA is a body that actually protects racing. He said, well, I've never really thought about it. And he says, but I'll bet you a Coke that nothing comes of it. And I said, well, I'll bet you, too, that in the next couple of years, you'll see some moving and you'll see some direction changing that the NTRA will be at the forefront. Yeah, well, I mean, you, can, you can look back over the last five years, and there's been uh, at least two pieces of legislation that passed in D.C., that meant uh, in excess of $300 million of benefits to the industry, primarily on the depreciation as it relates to uh, um, horses that you own and how you depreciate those, the acceleration of that. And, and then, again, preserving that, that, that right um, um, to, to do legal wagering over the Internet. I mean, that number is incalculable. They, were, they literally passed a Uniform Internet Gaming Enforcement Act, and that, and that piece of legislation insisted that all these things were illegal that were that were being contemplated on the internet but it carved out horse racing and and it's it's the only growth channel we have in terms of wagering sources is the internet and had the NTR NTRA not been there to preserve that right uh, I, I shudder to think where we would be today well I'm very pleased that we have the right people in place that are uh, that are the voice of racing right now, and, and I'm very pleased that uh, you're, you're very much a part of that organization. Bob, something I've been doing here is called the Fast Five, five lightning questions, just like Jeopardy, without the money, that is, and, uh, or, uh, or any other special ice creams that, uh, that I can buy. But we've got uh, five questions for you, and you pop them out, right or wrong answer, as just like first grade, there is no wrong answer. You ready? Shoot. Do I, now, okay. do I have to phrase it in the form of a question? <laughs> no, that's okay. Jeopardy. I said, oh, like Jeopardy. oh, like Jeopardy, but not exactly. Okay. I'm, I'm not as smart as Alex, but I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying here. Bring it on, Eddie. Question one. Have you ever been on horseback in the Oval of Turfway Park? I have, actually. I had a horse named Scout uh, who used to summer in the infield, uh, and I would ride him around the racing oval in the morning. Ah, looking a little Dwayne Lucas look there. I, I like that. Question two, can we break down the learning curve of making racing interesting for the brand-new player? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the kinds of things that are happening with Equibase uh, and the Jockey Club in terms of uh, making that, that racing information fan-friendly, no question about it. You've got 500 bucks. The day off, and you can choose any track, date. Where would we find you, and what track, and what would the date be? Saratoga um, on probably Traverse Day. I never get up there for Traverse Day. I'm always up there earlier. But the entire community uh, of Saratoga during the an August race date, uh, starting in the morning on the backside and then ending up at Ciro's for a Diet Coke with about <laughs> three grand in my pocket. That's the perfect day. Sounds like a perfect day. Question four, will things get worse before they get better in our sport, or are we starting to head upward again? Well, I, I, unfortunately, I think we track like the, like the economy. We are a, a luxury in some respect. When somebody feels comfortable, they've got enough pop money in their pocket after they've made uh, the grocery bill and the utilities, then they come out to the track. I'm not sure the, end is, the, the entire economy has turned enough to, to make folks more comfortable. So I'm going to call it flat, but trending up a little bit by the third quarter of this, this coming year. I like the prediction. Question five in the final. Bob, you're the czar of racing. You can have any wish you'd like. Wave your magic wand, and your wish comes true. Oh, wow, that's a tough one. I think, personally, I want a derby winner. I got a two-year-old <laughs> starting at Woodbine this weekend who might be one. But, uh, but for the industry, the good of the industry, I think um, probably industry unity. All the constituencies that have so much to do with this sport – standing shoulder to shoulder uh, and shooting outwardly rather than standing shoulder to shoulder in a circular firing squad. Let's get together and work on the behalf of the whole industry rather than shooting each other and individual constituencies. Fair enough. There was your fast five. Told you they were painless. Bob, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for your time and wish you the best on your upcoming meet. Uh, First post and opening date again. Uh, December 2nd, that's a Thursday evening. We run at 530, uh, and we run all the way through December 31st. And, Eddie, don't forget, for all your fans, they got a double opportunity that first weekend. On Saturday, Keeneland's got its National Handicapping Championship qualifier, and you can come 80 miles up the road and take on on turfways. And you know a lot about that because I know you qualified and been to the big dance. So so there's a couple opportunities that opening weekend, the 4th and the 5th, at at Keeneland and Turfway to get qualified for for the big NHC championship out in Vegas. Contest madness. Uh, first Keeneland, then Turfway. What a weekend it will be. Bob, best of luck to you and yours, and we'll definitely be looking for you in the winter circle, hopefully this Saturday at Woodbine. And it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Always a pleasure, Eddie. Take care, my friend. You're doing great things for the whole industry, buddy. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Bob Ellison, Turfway Park President, man of the NTRA. Many, many hats. We have another gentleman on hold. We're going to skip a break because holding him on, it just would not be right. Joining us this evening will be a second guest. He is a well-known trainer, mainly based out of Louisiana, I do believe. And he trained a little horse in the Breeders' Cup Classic by the name of Blame. Joining us now is Mr. Al Stahl. Al, are you there? I'm here. It's a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. I love listening to Turfway Bob. He's a good man. <laughs> a lot of the folks you know, Ben Huffman, uh, Rick Lee, Bob Elliston, uh, uh, Danny Bork from, uh, I believe, Gulfstream, uh, know, know a whole lot of the folks, and, and they're really a good, race, good, good racing folks. We couldn't have asked for any better there. 
Oh, you're right. They're they're good guys for the game. Al, I, I was reading reading a whole lot about you, and it was just very interesting. You grew up in a racing family with your father, Albert M. Stahl, who is a member of the Fairgrounds Hall of Fame and was chairman chairman of the Louisiana Racing Commission until his retirement in '04. It, was it a family tradition for you, or just being around the sport that drew you into racing? Well, I think uh, growing up in New Orleans, the fairgrounds is is a major part of the city of New Orleans. It's been around since. Uh, you know, the 1800s, and everybody in the city, especially the people, you know, born and raised here, always went out to the track, and and some people decided to get involved, and, and our family decided to get involved uh, with, um, you know, the breeding part of it and the racing part of it. And as we went down the road uh, when I was young, my father uh, got involved in the political end of it, and he ended up being the chairman of the racing commission um, starting in, I guess it was in like 72 or uh, Governor Edwin Edwards appointed him. So, you know, we've just been around the track since uh, since I can ever remember. That is one heck of a of a of a seat to hold, Chairman of the Louisiana Racing Commission. So many wonderful riders and trainers have uh, come out of Cajun Land, as I as I like to tongue and cheek call it, uh, and I always enjoyed uh, the racing there. Shortly for you, after graduating LSU with a degree, I believe in geology, you went to work for is it Peltex Oil, but. It's only going to be a short matter of time before racing calls you back. Right. Well, well, not necessarily. The the uh, oil business just got soft. And, uh, I mean, I was always involved in racing. I was always thinking about it. But I was just doing, I guess, what I was supposed to do. Went to high school, went to college, finished everything, and uh, had a good job, and everything was going along just fine, and things just softened up in that business. And I was young and single, didn't have, you know, didn't have anything to worry about. And um, I was kind of... Just It just made me go back to the track, which was fine with me. I was happy to do it. You have another uh, another trainer friend uh, known very well on the Kentucky Circuit, TVG, and I believe uh, an LSU alum, uh, Mr. Is it Tom Amos? Yeah, no, Tom Amos. That's right. We went to the same uh, grammar school together, same high school, <laughs> and uh, LSU, and basically on the same circuit between uh, Louisiana and Kentucky. So I see Tom every day. Uh, I'll tell you what, he it does does a tremendous job, and uh, as yourself, and you know, it's, it's always a lot of fun. I started off as a fan. I've worked in the industry for a number of years, and, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. And it's always a pleasure. I I did know uh, I, I read uh, there was a piece there, and it was talking about LSU. Uh, do you get the chance to catch any games uh, during the course of the year, or are you just pretty much stuck? Oh uh, well, I'm, I'm going tomorrow, uh, Saturday. I should <laughs> say I'm going to go up to the Ole Miss game in Baton Rouge. Uh, you know, it's hard. I, I've We've had season tickets forever, and uh, uh, between our, my brother and some other members of our family, they get used, but uh, it's kind of hard for me to get there. But towards the end of the season, um, I, I can make one when, on a free weekend, which is, like, uh, very rare. But uh, this Saturday I'm going to ease up I-10 to go see LSU play Ole Miss at 2.30. Ooh, I heard when the uh, when the lights are on and uh, there's not a wilder place out there, it's kind of like Derby Day. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Uh, LSU's been so successful lately, they moved the games uh, for TV to the afternoons, but uh, by the time that game just about ends, it'll start getting dark. It was kind of like where the Breeders' Cup was when that sun went down and, and, and things picked up, but uh, it'll be a good time. I can guarantee you that the weather's supposed to be phenomenally, uh, you know, very sunny and warm, and uh, it's a very big game for LSU after the year they're having, so uh, I'm sure it'll be another wild afternoon. As you're talking about uh, having having a lot of luck and and very successful, uh, 
you as a trainer, training for Claiborne Farms and some other wonderful clients. Is your winning method attributed to having the right people around you and, and working for one of the biggest names in racing? Well, it's it's all about the horse. Uh, we basically do the same thing I've always done, uh, the same things I've you know learned from when I worked for Frankie Brothers. and um, That's one of the most important things, I think, is just stick with your program. Uh, the horses have always looked good, and we just needed some better horses. Uh, a lot of people ask me, what have you done? I said, well, I've changed my feeding program. I said, they said, how's that? I said, well, I'm feeding better horses. So it's pretty much uh, uh, keeping it basically the same, and, uh, and we just have some nice animals to deal with. Well, and in fact, you've had some very nice runners in your care, Star Guitar, I believe. And, and, and boy, I'm, I'm lobbing a bunch of Joy, your dancer? And the man of the hour, blame. And uh, so you, you've had some very wonderful runners in your care, and I've, I've been watching you uh, train down at Churchill uh, for your string there. I believe you've got eight starters and then five wins? Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but, yeah, we, no, we started off with a bang at Churchill, especially. Yeah. Uh, at the real know, bang. A, a part, yeah, a part winning the ACAC on Friday, then blame coming right back and winning the Breeders' Cup Classic. So, uh, whatever happens from here on out doesn't really matter because <laughs> uh, we've, we've had a good meet, obviously. And in fact, you have, and congratulations on that again, sir. And, and I and I have to ask you, for a trainer and for for the layman out there, for for the for the players and the punters that actually like to follow the game, targeting a race like the Breeders' Cup, that wasn't just something that you thought of two weeks prior and said, "I think we're going to go here." Give us a, an encapsulate. Of, of your in your mind's eye, how far did you start out shooting for November sixth? Well, it started when Blame won the uh, uh, the Clark in the fall Thanksgiving weekend of '09, and Seth and I got together after the holidays ended, uh, the Thanksgiving holidays, and trying to figure out what direction to go with this horse. And for a second, we thought about uh, maybe going to Maidan because he's got. Uh, he trains at Keeneland. He's got a good poly track. He was a great two winner on the poly. Uh, but we just decided let's give him a, a nice breather during the winter at the fairgrounds where horses always do well and uh, point for the Breeders' Cup Classic, which we knew was going to be Churchill, obviously. And just uh, and we marked our calendar from November 6th, and we just backed up. And we picked races like the Jockey Club, the, the Whitney, the Foster, and a, a prep race before that, whether it be the Ali Sheba or the William Donald Schaefer, Pimla Coach, well, that's the one we end up using. So um, we we actually mapped out a program, which is almost like a fantasy land in horse racing. You know, they never you never can stick to it. But uh, I guess Blaine was just the right horse, and he did everything we wanted to do. He made every race, he made every workout, and he was a sound horse, or he is a sound horse, and did just everything right. And and we were lucky enough to make all our marks, and, and we ended up in the winter circle. It's hard to believe, really. No, uh, sir, I'll disagree with you on that one. Uh, when I saw you in New York, and, and I watched when Hainesfield actually won, and I watched your horse, it, a lot of people that get caught up in the winter and they, they don't watch the rest of the field, I watched Blame accelerate a bit, and I said, hold it. There's some plenty of gas in the tank, and could, in fact, Blame have gained more from that race than, than what maybe paper would have shown? Well, the way we set up this year, once he won the first grade one, uh, the Foster, we changed just a little bit. We decided not to run twice at Saratoga. 
we we focused in on Whitney, and he ran a very good race there. Overcame a slow pace and ran down arguably the best horse in the country in Quality Road that day. And then after that, we decided, well, let's give him his breather. Let's let him catch his breath and and let him down a little bit and pick him back up. And hopefully, you know, we always wanted to win the Jockey Club. There's no question about that. It's one of the greatest races in the game. But um, coming off an eight-week layoff, he might have he might have softened up a little bit, and uh, we just wanted to go in the right direction, just like what you saw. And uh, obviously, we thought the pace might back up to us, but it didn't. It was a funny racetrack coming off of uh, the two days of uh, of you know extra tropicals, basically a hurricane that hit the, uh, New York, and and it just wasn't meant to be for him to win that day. But uh, he did get enough out of that race, and he was still reaching and trying towards the end, and. And Garrett, he knows he knows the game as well as anybody. He just got him home second. You know, we knew he couldn't win, and and we figured we just had a lot left in the tank for for the race that we've been pointing for all along. Now I know trainers don't uh, talk a lot about uh, gambling, gaming, money's one. That's a side note, but yet it's still what drives drives racing. The, the basis of racing, as far as purse accumulation and such. We have a handicapper that calls and he goes by the moniker Dangerous Dan. Great handicapper, very good contest player. He said, "I'm making one bet over two days. One bet and one bet only. My biggest bet of my life will be on blame." Right. Well, I mean, it, 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 blame made a lot of sense uh, from a handicapping standpoint. I was a, uh, you know, just the way the year he'd have. He's shown he was an elite horse, and his figures and all that, all those kind of things were good. And and he certainly didn't do uh, go over the top in the race before. So, if you're going to take a stand against a horse that was arguably overbet, you know, with Zenyatta, um, she was a about an eight to five shot, nine to five shot on paper, and you know, with all the emotion and, and what was going on, she got knocked down. Uh, he, he did make sense for the so-called smart money, and he was a horse for course at Churchill. And and uh, I can understand, you know, Dangerous Dan wasn't alone. I heard that from quite a few people, <laughs> a lot of local New Orleans people who follow racing on a daily basis. And and uh, and I, I agree, he he made the right move. Dan uh, Dan's quite a handicapper, and uh, he's a big fan of yours. He even uh, even made uh, a, a note about uh, I guess the cameras caught you uh, with a pin. Was it Blame Gang? Right, that's right. A good friend of mine, <laughs> uh, a kid I grew up with, in the he's a marketing guy, and he called me up and wanted to make the Blame Gang pins, and I had to call him the second that the draw was over. Uh, so he wanted he wanted to put the right number on the saddle towel and. He jumped on a plane the next day or a couple of days later with a, a bunch of these pins and passed them around to all our family and friends and a blame supporter. So they were around. He did. It, did it, they were. They're really nice. Nice pins. That's that's what he had told me. He was uh, he he was he was elated to see it. I, he was he was all about blame. You know the world, the historians that were all talking Zenyatta. There was a lot on the line, and and when blame dug in at the top of the lane, it just looked like Gomez just burst loose and gave everything he had and just said, "Come get me, girl, if you're going to get me." And Gomez, in my opinion, is one of the best money riders day in and day out in the nation, if not the world. And uh, and he's awfully, awfully tough. Mike Smith not taking one bit away from uh, Team Zenyatta, and especially Mike Smith with his efforts of uh, overcoming traffic and uh, wheedling out and then angling out like a train running downhill. But Blame just held so game. I think he provided one of the most exciting finishes in Breeders' Cup history. Yeah, I agree. I, that, I think we were fortunate 
for a guy who's most probably a uh, you know first ballot Hall of Fame type of rider uh, to ride one of the better races or the be- one of the best races of his life, and um, things went very well for us that day, and and it was one of those rare instances where the race really unfolded just about like we thought, and uh, once he got through the the speed horses and made the front and. He, he knew Blaine would idle a little bit. He's that kind of horse. He just was waiting a little bit. And and for a guy to be riding for $5 million to say that I was saving horse for the last 100 yards because he, he thought he knew Zenyatta would be coming is, is pretty strong. I, don't, I think I would have had my head down whipping and driving from the quarter pole home, but uh, he just said he was kind of waiting around for her. And when he caught when the horse and the rider caught, uh, you know, made eye contact with her, he, he picked him up and, they carried him to the wire, and he got a little surge at the end. And actually, she never did get by him. He galloped out way in front of her. So um, that's why he does what he does, and my job was over with by that time. <laughs> it, it, it made it all worthwhile, all the sweating, worrying, and, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, uh, holding your breath there for a bit, uh, missing the Triple Crown with a foot problem, still staying in touch with the game, and it just looked like Blaine was getting better and better. And now he is going to be going to the uh, – to the breeding shed, and uh, we're going to see little blames down the road. Uh, you know, for I, in my opinion, for Claiborne Farm, thirty-five thousand, I think, is a is a damn good price. Yeah, well, Claiborne, they're they're you know they're famous for uh, known for pricing. They're very realistic. I mean, Pulpit's a great sire, had a great year, and they lowered his price ten thousand. They just they 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 know what the economy's like, and uh, yeah, blame is getting. You know, they do it that way to where they know they'll get a lot of business and they can be selective and picking who they want to, uh, the type of mares they want to uh, let people breed to them. So uh, that, that's how they operate. They're not going to try and nickel and dime somebody and get another five or 10000 and uh, they just want to do right by the horse. and they, He won't be overbred, and so that'll help him That'll help him down the road and his longevity. So uh, uh, that's their style, and um, it's worked for them for 100 years. Oh, and... and, and it- Please, once again, correct me if I'm wrong. The day of the victory, do we have an anniversary date on that? The, uh, for Claiborne? Uh, talking about the Claiborne? Yes. Well, I mean, it, the, the 19, uh, they started 1910, so in 2010 was the 100th year that that farm wow. has been in existence. So <laughs> that, that's what made it so special. And then and Blaine's female family is the oldest female family that's still going at Claiborne. It runs back. Uh, between 50 and 60 years. So uh, a lot of people saw Seth Hancock sitting at that press conference after the race. We were sitting there together, and he was kind of not somber, but he, I was sitting there right next to him. I could feel I could feel the, the, the tradition and his family. I could th- feel everything running through him, and that, that's what he was thinking about. And uh, it was a very emotional time for him as opposed to he, he wasn't being grumpy or anything like that. A lot, a lot of people have said that he... He was just uh, all caught up in it and just trying to just gather himself up. Class personified, and, and I can't wait to see Little Blames for, for quite some time. Al, I, I have to ask you just, uh, just a final question, and, and I'll turn you loose uh, just so you can get back to your family and in your life and hopefully get some rest. Uh, at the 16th pole at Churchill Downs on November 6th, what was going through your mind on your lucky spot, at your lucky spot at the third floor bar? Right. I, it, it's hard to even imagine what it was like. I, I, I watched Blaine strictly till about the quarter pole, three sixteenth pole, and once he got clear and was running, I, we knew he was running his, his A race, and, and I just picked up Zenyatta at the last part, I guess, just like he did and Garrett did, and 
and you know, I just know that horse, and I, I, I actually thought that he would hold the horse off, but uh, you know, you're watching on a TV with that, the, the camera's not dead on the wire, and it's just it's just a moment that you can't even if you could bottle it and uh, and sell it, we we'd make quite a bit of money. It's just um, <laughs> from going from one extreme to another of of nervousness, excitement, and when you know you win it, the, the euphoric feeling is just, it's its really, you really can't describe it. It's, its I guess it's why we do this, I think. It's for the ages, and everyone looked at each other, who won, who won, and I'm standing down there, we had great seats, and I was not going to miss this uh, this the shot at history for Zenyatta and the the, uh, the the grouping of such a group of monsters. Anyone could actually win in my book. In blame as dangerous Dan alluded to uh, myself. Uh, it, it, just incredible. Well, Mr. Stone, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for your time and wish you and yours the best on this upcoming racing season in Louisiana. And we'll look for you in the winner's circle soon, my friend. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you, Mr. Stall. Have a great meet. Well, time flies when you're talking about thoroughbred racing, and this week was no different. Winning Ponies would like to thank everyone for listening and everyone to have a happy Thanksgiving. So we're going to be doing the same. We're going to be eating plenty of turkey, and we're going to be thinking about racing just as you will. So until we meet again, may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck, good night, everyone, and have a happy Thanksgiving. You fucking with this girl, then you better be paid. You know why? Take too much to touch her. From what I heard, she got a baby by Buster. My best friend said she used to fuck with Usher. I don't care what none of y'all say. I still Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.